Hi everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. I'm Greg, this is my friend Steve, and we want to give you a huge thanks for tuning into service this weekend. Hi Greg, welcome everyone to our CCC family gathering from all around the Rochester area. We encourage you to engage with others in our chat area as we come together to worship our King. There are some great people behind the scenes that host our service online. In addition to hosting the online chat, they'd love to assist you personally with prayer needs or connection opportunities. Click the Request Prayer button for personal attention. Even amidst a pandemic, we still have a ton to be thankful for. And a great way to express this attitude of gratitude is by kicking off your Thanksgiving week with our 12-hour prayer event this Monday, November 23rd from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Simply go to the prayer page on our website to sign up for a 15-minute time slot and pray wherever you are. This is a great way to prepare our hearts for the Thanksgiving week. We hope you can join us. As we get ready to worship, we encourage you to lean in and participate, no matter where you are. Thanks for tuning in today to CCC Online, and we hope you enjoy these next few moments of worship.
Father, wherever we find ourselves. If we seem like these earthly forces are just beating us down time and time again, God, when we look to you, we know that you surround us and that you fight for us. When we're tired, it doesn't matter because we've got you to hang on to, God. When it seems like we don't wanna put another foot forward, that's okay because you've already decided where we're gonna go. Our path is laid out for us. All we need to do is trust you. And God, we know that when it says be still and know that I am God, it doesn't say be still and hope for the fact that I am God or wish that you're God. We know that you're God and you will sustain us and you will provide for us in a way that we never thought possible, but you will be there and you will fight for us. We thank you that we can hold on to the fact that we know that you have it. We thank you for the promise that we know that you have all authority and that you are above all. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're just tuning in, I'm Steve and this is Greg. We want to give you a warm welcome to CCC Online. What an incredible time of worship that was. Christ Community Church is a very generous church in both individual giving and the support that we provide to ministries and missionaries in Rochester and around the world. We invite you to take time and worship our Creator through giving. You can do this by texting CCC Rochester to 77977 or by sim simply clicking the Give link on your screen. There are so many ministries doing amazing things because of your generosity. If this is your first time joining us online, welcome. We are thrilled to welcome you to our church. One way you can get plugged into the life of our church is by filling out our online connection card. This is a great way for us to help you get connected here at CCC. All you have to do is click the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. We really want to get to know you. If you would like prayer at any time during the service, simply click request prayer and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there also if you need prayer at any point this week there are many opportunities to receive prayer you can check those out on the prayer page of our website cccrochester.org thanks again for tuning in to christ community church online here's another great message from daryl The measure of a man in storms and bad weather. The ability to see clearly as a fire grows hotter, only to act as a faith purifier. And much like a diamond buried deep in the earth, it is the pressure that we face that reveals our faith's worth. So when your strength begins to fail you, there is grace for your need. He is waiting, open-handed, and his grace is free. Grace under pressure. Well, happy Thanksgiving week, Christ Community Church. I want to tell you how grateful I am that you are with us in worship this weekend. 
we're in this season where it could be so easy to get spiritually lazy, to let those faith building habits slide in your life. And I just wanna affirm you for, for sticking in with us and for staying together uh, as a church and participating in these things that are most helpful for your personal spiritual development, for your family, if you have a family, and uh, for us as a church. And as we're spiritually healthy and together, all of that spills over benefit into our communities. So way to go for hanging in here in this season where it would be really easy to let some things slide. So this weekend, as we head towards Thanksgiving, we are actually wrapping up this Grace Under Pressure series that we've been in for the last couple of months. And I'm really glad that what we get to talk about today, I think it's gonna be really helpful for you. Um, we're gonna deal with the very last thing that is in this little letter called 1 Peter in the New Testament that we've been considering the themes of this letter. Uh, we're gonna look at the last major theme that the Apostle Peter raises for us. And it's, it's kind of a surprising theme because he doesn't really hint at it any other place in this letter. It just kind of seems to come out of the blue and so what we're gonna talk about today is that you and I have a spiritual enemy and I've titled this talk, The Grace to Keep Going because we're dealing with the subject of grace under pressure and in seasons of pressure like we're in right now, it feels an awful lot like climbing a mountain or something. Like we're just walking you know, really steep uphill and walking into this headwind and just with the circumstances and the things that are going on in our lives, it, it can be really difficult for us. And what we're gonna learn today or be reminded of today is that in addition to the uphill and in addition to the headwind, um, you and I as Christian people, we have a spiritual enemy who is, who's trying to, if we could use that mountain image, he's, he's trying to push you, push you down the mountain, push you over the edge. That's his goal for you. And so if you don't know how to, how to recognize this enemy and how to deal with this enemy, you can find yourself in increasingly difficult circumstances. And so I want us to look today, we're in 1 Peter, we're gonna be looking at a couple of verses from chapter five. So we'll have the verses on the screen here for you, of course, but if you've got a Bible, either in paper or on your phone or something, I encourage you to follow along. So 1 Peter chapter five, I'd like to start in verse eight. I'm just gonna read verses eight and nine as we begin. So be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So as we begin to kind of pick these two little verses apart here, I just have started with this statement. Um, you have a spiritual enemy. We're told here from the Bible that he is like your enemy. And of course, the devil is God's enemy. If you've been with us for a while, we've talked about this in a couple of previous messages. And he is, he's the enemy of God. Everything that God loves, he hates. Everything that God is building, he is trying to tear down. And so he is definitely God's enemy. He stands in opposition of everything that God is doing. And he's trying to force you and me and the culture around us into things that are exactly the opposite of God's best for us. So he is God's enemy, but he's also our enemy. I mean, this, is, this is a personal statement. He is, he is your enemy. You have a spiritual enemy. And that idea of being an enemy is just, he's an adversary. He's against you. He's not for you. He's not neutral about you. He's actually against you. And he's named for us in these verses, the devil. 
And that name, the devil, is like the idea with that is he is an accuser or he is a slanderer. And that lets us know a little bit about his strategy, how he opposes us, how he comes against us is by accusation and slander or through lies. And what he likes to do is he likes to accuse or slander you and he will slander you to yourself. He will slander you to someone else or someone else to you. He will slander God to you and to me and say things about God into our lives, things that are slanderous about God to us. And his goal in all of that, his desire is to devour you. The image that that Peter gives us here is not one that we would probably use in 21st century United States, but in this day and time and with the background of the Old Testament, he says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I mean, he's, he uses that image and, and we don't know exactly what he's thinking about. He's probably got a couple of things in mind. Um, there's, there's a verse in Psalm 22. Uh, Psalm 22 is actually the chapter that Jesus quoted when he was hanging on the cross. Psalm 22 begins with the statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was a prayer of Jewish people who were in pain, who were suffering, who, who felt like God had lost track of them or somehow didn't notice or wasn't involved in their lives. And it was just a way to express that grief and that pain. And down in verse 13, as the psalmist is expressing pain and writing prayers for God's people who are in pain, it's this roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. And just this, this picture of someone being, being mauled by lions. Or Peter might've been thinking about, you know, he, was, he lived in the first century and Rome was the dominant culture of the day. Now, the Romans in the first century, they were one of the most vicious, bloodiest cultures in the history of humankind. And one of the things that Rome did really for sport was they would put Christian people in an arena and they would turn lions loose in that hungry lions loose in that arena and people were trapped with hungry lions. And so, so those are the images. They're a little bit gruesome, but they're, they're, the point he's trying to make is this enemy that you and I have, like, this is serious. This isn't somebody who's just kind of against us and maybe, you know, doesn't care what happens or goes on. You and I have an enemy and his desire is to devour us. So it's not pleasant to think about and we could, you know, we understand pictures from the wildlife kingdom. What does it look like in our lives when Satan, the devil, devours, gets his teeth in to us, to people. So I'm thinking as, you know, Peter is, is he's writing these things, he might be thinking back to, to when he was kind of being eaten up, spiritually speaking. It was when Jesus was crucified and that night before while he was in all those trials, he was, he was, he, he denied Jesus and he was paralyzed by fear and he was unwilling to admit his association with Jesus, put distance between himself and Jesus. And, and it was in that moment, he was really being eaten up uh, by Satan, spiritually speaking. I was thinking about maybe for you, have you ever believed something about yourself that isn't true? 
As you think about that for just a minute, have you ever believed something about yourself that isn't true? Where did that, where did that lie about yourself come from? And maybe it's something negative about yourself and it caused you to spiral down into some places that you don't ever wanna go or ever wanna go again. Maybe something negative about yourself or maybe it was something that was just not true but it was inflated about yourself and it caused you to be puffed up and to be arrogant and thinking more of yourself and more highly of yourself than you should and that got you into trouble. And so if Satan, he could slander you to you saying things about you that aren't true and you find yourself down a path that is unhealthy and bad for you. That's, that's what being devoured looks like. Um, I see something happening in our culture right now, and I'm really just mentioning it as accountability to myself and also kind of as a warning to us as a church. And it's connected to how Christian people are responding to this COVID thing. And um, we see Christian people or groups of Christian people feeling like they've got it right, like somehow they've figured it out. And, and you know, so one group of people is looking at other group of people and saying, hey, you're afraid of this thing, you're walking in fear. And the other group is looking at people and saying, you don't love your neighbors, you're, you don't love your neighbors. We're supposed to love our neighbors. And I know of lifelong friendships that have been broken by this COVID response. There are churches that are coming apart because of COVID response. There are churches who have been friends in a community who are at odds with each other now over COVID response. And that is like, that is just, it's not like it's this healthy, godly discussion where we're trying to figure out what's right in really difficult days. It's like red face, shaking fingers, yelling at each other. And when it comes apart, it's not like, hey, God bless you. We've got to go different ways. It is like, I am right, you're wrong. And people cutting off relationships. And, and that's what devoured looks like. I've shared this story in other places, and so I don't, I don't think I've shared it with us, but a little over a year and a half ago, it was a Friday morning, and Fridays are mine and Marie's day off. And so we, we protect them, we treasure them, we enjoy them. And um, I don't know exactly what happened this particular Friday morning. We had, we had a little spat going on, and like, I'll just take between 51% and 99% of the blame for it. But we, I can't remember what we were arguing about. I can't remember what we were frustrated about. But I do remember that kind of in the middle of this, we've been married 30 years. We're friends. We have a good, healthy marriage. And, and so we have this little thing going on. In the middle of this little thing, I just remember getting mad. And I'm not an angry guy. And, and I just remember getting mad. And I was I was thinking things about myself that weren't true and I was thinking things about Marie that weren't true and I was thinking things about our relationship that wasn't true and this went on for several minutes for me and I just, just the anger that was inside of me during that little season and it was like, thankfully the Lord kind of stepped in for me but it was just this moment where, hey, this stuff isn't true. What you're believing about yourself, what you're believing about Marie, what you're believing, believing about your marriage, like those things are not true. And it was just, it was this moment of we were being devoured. And it's, it's not an excuse for, for anger or for whatever else was going on. It's not, it's not like, hey, Marie, the devil made me do that. And it's not a chance to call somebody else the devil and say, hey, you're acting like the devil. It's just this realization that we have this enemy and he's trying to tear us apart. And, and sometimes that voice that's in your head, those thought processes that you have that sound like you, 
they, they're accusing and they're lying and it sounds like your voice, it, it might not be your voice. Uh, our enemy, it just, he's an accuser, he's a slanderer. Crazy thing happened to me a while back. Marie and I were at an aquarium and we were looking at this particular exhibit and I was actually reading one of those big posters that's kind of on the wall by the exhibit because I like to do that at museums and aquariums and kind of get in the details. And I was reading about the ocean ecosystem and just the complexity of it and the vastness of it. And I was reading about one particular piece of the ecosystem, how it's just millions and millions of different kinds of little varieties. And I think it was talking about plankton. I can't remember for sure, but just like millions and millions of different things. And it was just mind boggling. And I had this thought in my head that just like, man, no one is smart enough or powerful enough to create that or to keep it under control. It must've just happened. And right after that thought crossed my mind, I kind of had this, like inside of me, it was just like, what in the world was that? Because that is exactly the opposite of what I think. And that is exactly the opposite about what I believe. But for a minute there, there was this thought inside of my head that was slandering God, that somehow he doesn't exist or that he wasn't powerful enough or wise enough to be able to create something like what I was reading about on that piece of paper. And it's one of the sneakiest things that the devil, the accuser, the slanderer, it's one of the sneakiest things that he does to me is, is his voice inside my head. And I say that like, just give me a little room there. I'm not talking about mental health issues or those kinds of things. I'm just, his, it's like he plants thoughts inside my head and, and that sounds an awful lot like me but it's not me. His voice inside my head sounds like my voice, but it's not really my voice. And so, so as people who have this powerful enemy whose desire is to devour us, the instructions here for us in, in our verses for today, verse nine is, or excuse me, verse eight, it says to be alert and to be of sober mind. Chapter four, verse seven mentions the same thing. Be alert, be on your guard at the beginning of verse eight there. But chapter four, verse seven says the same thing. Be alert in a sober mind so that you can pray. And, and here we're reading these verses. And I think maybe Peter's thinking back to that same night that Jesus was crucified when he was devoured, when he was denying Jesus. He might be thinking back to that night because I don't, if you remember the story, he and the other disciples they were supposed to be with Jesus watching and praying and Jesus was praying and the disciples were groggy and asleep. And so he's just reminding us of, hey, it's not just about physical exhaustion, physical sleepiness. It's there's a spiritual sleepiness and a spiritual grogginess that can happen to us. And so be alert and be of sober mind because one of Satan's primary targets is our mind. If he can get your thoughts and if he can get your feelings off track, he's starting to sink his teeth into you. And I know that's a little bit of a gruesome image, but, but this is for real. And it happens in the unseen world. So the warning that the Bible gives to us is really strong about this. You know, if you're out hiking or camping or something and there's a bear or some other dangerous wild animal around, 
you're gonna be alert because you can see, hear, smell that wild animal, but we can't see, hear, smell, touch the unseen world. And so we get this strong warning that there's danger for us if we're not aware and if we're not employing appropriate strategies. And, and this is particularly important in times of pressure. To be aware that we have an enemy in times of pressure is particularly important for us because when there's pressure like we're experiencing today, most of us don't have a lot of emotional or relational bandwidth to deal with extra. And, and our enemy comes at times when we don't have a lot of bandwidth for extra and that's when he wants to jump in because if he can push just a little bit, he has, he has great success in devouring and destroying us. Uh, years back, Marie and I attended a, a relationship health class. It was a marital enrichment kind of thing. And the instructor gave us some, he gave us an image that just has really worked for us. If, if you think of your Think of your relational capacity or your, your stress capacity on a scale of one to 10, and 10 is just like you're off the charts over, you know, you're blowing your gasket. If you're functioning at a three or four and something happens that bumps you up to a five or a six, then, you know, it's, it's not nothing, but it's certainly not devastating. But if you're functioning at a seven or eight and something happens that bumps you to a nine or a 10, then you're in a really dangerous place. And when we're under pressure, like we're under today, the kind of pressure that we're under as a culture, society, as people, as a church, when we're under pressure like this, most of us are functioning at a six, seven, eight, and it doesn't take a whole lot to push us from that mid to high mid range into what is danger zone for us and our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And so in these seasons of pressure, our enemy has a particular opportunity to step in and wreak havoc in our lives. And so we stay alert. We stay alert because we have an enemy who is prowling like a roaring lion trying to devour us. And we, we are mindful because he is, he's trying to get to our mind. If he can get our thoughts and our feelings off track, then he's, he's got us down the path. And so the scripture gives us a couple things here for dealing with this enemy. The first thing it says is to resist him, to resist him. And just to think for a moment with me, how do you resist lies? Because that's what slander is. That's what these accusations are. They're lies. How do you resist lies? You resist lies with the truth. And it's capital T truth. It's not like your truth. It's not my truth. It's God's truth with which we can resist this enemy. I'm reminded of Jesus. It's recorded in Matthew chapter four is one of the places when, when Satan is head on tempting Jesus, what Jesus always counters with is God's truth. Jesus was real clear with his people. He said, you know, God's word is truth. And he told us that it's the truth that sets us free. And so when we get ensnared or trapped in, or, or we're just faced with lies, the way we resist lies is with capital T, God's truth, the word of God. And so we resist lies with truth. And how do you resist a liar? So the first part is knowing that you're dealing with a liar. 
And then after you realize you're dealing with a liar, you refuse to agree with him. You hold tightly to the truth. And one of the most devastating things for, for you and for me as followers of Jesus, when our enemy is making accusations, these slanderous statements where we get in trouble, is when we agree with him. And so the scripture tells us to hold tightly to the truth, the words from the verses we just read, standing firm in the faith. And like the faith, it's a, it's a term there. And as we hear those words, we're supposed to be thinking about these things that are core and central to the, that, that we believe. These things that are held out for us as the faith that has been delivered and received by the people of God. Things like we have a heavenly father who loves us and that his posture towards us is one of love. That he demonstrated that love. He gave Jesus to come and to die for us, to pay for our sins and to offer us forgiveness. He rose again from the dead to, to give us eternal life, abundant life, life that lasts forever with him. That victory over our sin, that victory over death, that victory over this enemy of ours, like all of that is, is made possible by the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. These are, these are core pieces of our faith and these are the things that we hold tightly to to experience this life and this abundant life that he wants to give to us. Like all of that comes through faith in Jesus. It's not faith in a bunch of facts. It's faith in a person who has accomplished things for us on our behalf and he offers to us this victory that he has won. And so we hold tightly to this truth. And I was thinking, one of my friends a few years ago, got really sick. And it did not look good for him. And there were a group of us who were praying for him and we were with his wife and just kind of talking about what she was enduring, what he was enduring. And she made this statement, and I don't know if it originates with her or if it came from somewhere else. But what she said, she said, I'm not going to reject in the dark what I believed in the light. And so we don't let go of what we believe. And as we hang on to these things that we believe, this faith, what happens for us is that we are standing firm. We're standing firm in the faith, in the face of an accuser, a slanderer, who would have us believe things about ourselves or other people or about our heavenly father that just are not true. So we stand firm in the faith. And then we need to know this, and we're all in this together. I, I really appreciate how it was true in the first century and it's true in the 21st century. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is nothing new. It may be a new form of suffering for us, but this is nothing new that the family of believers in Jesus were a family that we have been undergoing hardship, difficulty, persecution since the earliest days. This is just, this is one of the things. We have an enemy, he stands against us, pressure comes, he mounts the pressure and we stand firm in our faith together. And what, what I'd like to say to you in this moment is, is we are all in this together. And knowing that is really helpful but my, my encouragement to you is don't go this alone. You cannot, as a Christian person, 
you cannot endure suffering and hardship well. You cannot stand firm in your faith all by yourself. You're part of a Christian family. You're part of a, you're part of a group of people who are standing firm together. That image that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Lions in the wild, if you've ever watched Nature Channel stuff, they, they chase herds of their prey and they chase herds and the animal that breaks off from the herd is the one that gets devoured. And we're in a season where there's a lot going on and our enemy is chasing the herd. And if you break off from the herd, you're gonna find yourself in really difficult circumstances. And so my, my hope to you is that you, for you, is that you would, be, you would be connected, that there are other Christian people around you that you're in relationship with, that you have friendship with. It's not just like we hang out together or we Zoom together, but these are people that we can, we can bear our hearts to. We can talk about where we're winning and where we feel like we're losing and we can pray together and we can serve other people together because it's this together piece that, that makes all the difference for us. And what, what we know is as your faith is firm, that strengthens my faith. And as our faith is firm, that strengthens their faith. And as we as a church, like if when our faith is strong, that strengthens the other churches here in our community. There's, there's something to, we stand firm as we stand firm together. And so we're gonna hold on to our faith. Like we're gonna hold fast to the faith and we're gonna hold our hands open to receive this grace and this peace that God ministers to us. And we're also gonna hold our hands out to this community, to each other and to this community in which we live because God grants us his grace and his peace to minister into the lives of those who are around us. And so as we, as we hold out God's grace and peace, we stand firm in our faith and we receive grace and peace and we minister it to others, then what we get to experience is these last couple verses of our section today. This is chapter five, verses 10 and 11. As we stand firm in the faith, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And I just want as we wrap up this series on grace under pressure, I want you to know that as we hold on to our faith, as we stand firm in the faith, that has been delivered to us, which we have received, is we stand firm after we've suffered a little while. This God of all grace will restore us. We're taking hits right now. Each one of us is taking hits, but this God of all grace will restore us and he will make us strong, firm, and steadfast. And so we have our hope in him. And I'd like to pray that for you. So would you please bow your head and close your eyes with me and let's pray together. So first, um, Father, we say yes, you are the God of grace. Thank you for ministering your grace to us. Um, we set our eyes on you. We fix our hope on you. There are so many different things that we could be looking at and hoping in right now in this season 
but we would just say together, um, Lord God, Lord Jesus, you are our only hope. And we thank you for calling us to your eternal glory. We can't even fathom what all of that means. But again, we say yes to that. And we are grateful that you are with us in this season of suffering. And we are going to live like you will restore us. You will make us strong, firm, and steadfast. And so we're just gonna offer you our worship and our praise. To you be the power forever and ever. Amen. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for the gift of one another, of being together during this season. And so, Jesus, all this is possible because of what you've done. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so if you would let me, I'd love to ask you these questions for reflection or discussion so that you can have conversation when this service is over or um, later on today. Uh, the first question I have for you is, do you think the devil is real? Why or why not? And then do you think he's really out to get you? Why or why not? And just, I think there'd be something to just think about and explore. The second question, what do you think about the enemy's voice in your head sounding like your voice? Um, maybe you would want to explain that a little differently, or maybe you've experienced that, or maybe you you haven't experienced that, just what do you think about that? The third question, what is your source for capital T truth? I mentioned how Jesus told us that the word of God is truth, but I'm curious what you would say your source of truth is and why you hold that view. Fourth, when you read the words, the faith in verse nine, what are some things that you think about that are important to the faith that we have received? And then last, what do you think it will look like when God restores you and makes you strong, firm, and steadfast? And I hope as you, you think about that and say yes to God's plans for you in the future, I hope that blows some wind in your sails. And I really hope you have a great week as we head into Thanksgiving. Looks a little different for some of us. This is not what we were planning before the calendar year turned over, but we have a lot to be grateful for. We have a God who loves us. We have a savior who died for us and who's giving us life. He rose again from the dead. We have each other. We have this great church family who loves each other even though we're kind of spread out right now. And you have, you have people in your life who love you and care for you. And so I hope you have a great week giving thanks. May God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for joining us today. CCC has an amazing message of hope to share about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You can easily join us in sharing this hope throughout the week by following us on social media. Give us a follow or like on Facebook or Instagram at CCC Rochester. By doing this, you broaden the reach to those who may not yet know Jesus. Absolutely, that's what matters the most. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And see you next time.